Welcome, baseball fans. It is time once again for the Running the Bases podcast. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how are you? Good, sir. Pretty good, thanks. Hey, our predictions were right on the money with the Hall of Fame. How about that? Well, as I said earlier, I don't. It's a lot easier to predict now with all of the votes being counted before they actually, uh, you know, halfway through the thing. I, I don't know. We, I don't think we deserve too much credit for getting that right. Yeah, but all the people that are Hall of Famers, we did think were Hall of Famers. So yeah, that's, well, that's and true. Chipper on the first ballot was great. It's nice to see that Andrew is going to carry over at least for another year or so, um, or hopefully longer. What did you think of Johan Santana, who I made a, a case for actually being a Hall of Famer, uh, following falling off in the first year? I don't like to see him fall off the first year. I hate to see people fall off like that. I think we've right. had some fall off in the past that – should really be considered. Yeah, agreed. But uh, 97.2% for Chipper, is that also kind of uh, adjusted for inflation, that that's not as impressive as it as it seems? No, that is impressive. Uh, I think in the past we had a lot of people that uh, didn't cover baseball anymore, that had like regular criteria. Uh, the uh, Is it as impressive as Tom Seaver's 98% or something. No, but it, it's like, I, I mean, there is interest in who will be the first to uh, have a unanimous vote now, if that does happen, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I didn't know, I didn't realize this, but he is the second number one overall draft pick to the hall of fame after King Griffey Jr. Only, there's only been two, and he's he and yeah. King Griffey Jr. That was kind of cool. All right, well, uh, we'll look forward to Cooperstown uh, this uh, this this year more than in years past, you could argue. But uh, with uh, Chipper getting in, let me ask you a quick trivia question, and we'll get to our show. With Chipper now in, so we have the the big three: Bobby and Chipper. Who is the next Atlanta Brave to go into the Hall of Fame as a Brave? As a Brave. Um... If I had to say right now, I will say Dale Murphy from the Old Timers Committee. Yep, that would be mine as well. So, we love you, Dale. <laughs> We're pulling for you. All right, well, we did our 20 most significant moments in Major League Baseball history uh, a few weeks back. And so, we're going to do a fresh top 20 this week. Um, this is the top 20 most significant, important, interesting, and colorful characters to put on a uniform and step between the lines in Major League Baseball history. Uh, did I get the description right? <laughs> Which means that it's changing momentarily. It's, I mean, it's constantly <laughs> changing. I made this list. I don't know, I've, I, every time I make it, five people are on, five people are off. Yep. We're not doing just your run-of-the-mill best shortstop, best outfield. This is This is some unique stuff. So... Again, the criteria, these are 20 individuals who put on a uniform in, in some form or fashion and were on the diamond. And they're significant to the game for reasons beyond just their stats, I guess. Correct. <laughs> all right. Um, and I, I tried to make sure that each one matched one of all four of those criteria. So there's going to be some notable exceptions. The honorable mention on my side is almost longer than the actual list. But as you say, each time you look at it, five come on, five go off. So, all right, here we go. 
the top 20 most significant, important, interesting, and colorful individuals in Major League Baseball history. Uh, you want to go first? We'll trade back and forth. All right. Uh, I'll go. And but this is in no particular order. Right. Correct. Uh, the uh, I'll say uh, I'll put Cap Anson uh, on the list. He played 27 years. You know, he has on his gravestone here lies somebody who hit 300. Uh, he's <laughs> like the first real hitting star of baseball. But I think his the most significant part of Anson was that when the Giants were going to sign George Stovey, uh, he said that he and the White Stockings would refuse to play a team that had a black man on it. And hence right. came the uh, gentleman's agreement between all owners because Anson was the most significant player in the game and they didn't want to uh, rock the boat, so to speak. So is that where you find him most interesting? The fact that he set the gentleman's agreement for exclusion? No, no, I, I'm saying that in significance. You know, right. if we're looking at a significant person on the field, I mean, you know, he did play forever. He's the first to have 3,000 hits. Uh, this, you know, there, there's a lot of things about Anson that are significant, but I think his, uh, his uh, helping to eliminate black people from, or all people <laughs> of color from the game for 60 years, uh, I think is significant. I would have to agree with that. I did not uh, include him on my top 20. Um, and in that respect, I also left out like Judge Kennesaw Landis. Now, I know but, he's a commissioner. but And he's not wearing a uniform. Right, right. Fair, fair. Um, the, I uh, did not include such other notable racists as the Phillies manager. I can't remember his name. Right, right. So um, my, my number one, even though this is no particular order, is Casey Stengel. Okay. I'm assuming you have oh, absolutely. him on your list. And I mean, you know, for those who are unfamiliar, he managed the 50s Yankees. Um, do you give the credit where credit's due that the 50s Yankees, like you or I, could have managed them and they would have been as successful? No. Yeah. Credit to the ghost to Stengel. And, and, and why is that? Uh, Stengel was a genius using his pitching staff. Yeah, uh, he was. He kind of really invented platoon playing. I mean, there. Uh, sure, he had a lot of tools, but Stingle was a great manager. Yeah, uh, but still, you. Re I mean, and even in the uh, the Stingleese, there was a true genius to a lot of the things he said. Yeah, and 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 the uh, platooning. Uh, now it's kind of out of vogue, but at that time, you know, he never had the same shortstop seemingly twice. I mean, he moved his infield around, and yet uh, you look at how much shifting is done today. Do you credit some of that to significantly to to Stengel? I, I I don't know that I can say the shifting today. I mean, that's you know, kind of goes to Lou Boudreau, you know, uh, doing it with right. the Indians. But uh, a sabermetrics darling, OG <laughs> the. Yeah, for certain. Uh, my favorite Stingleese moment is when uh, Casey's when he was asked about how the Mets were doing, and he said, "Well, we've got this Johnny Lewis in the outfield. Uh, they hit a ball to him yesterday, and he turned left. Then he turned right. Then he uh, went straight back and caught the ball. He made three great plays in one. In one. <laughs> and Greg Gossin." 
he's only 20 and with a, a good ch- and with a good chance uh, in 10 years of being 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I his antics, uh, you know, uh, he sets the bar as far as uh, managers getting in the face of umpires to argue calls. Uh, my favorite is still when he uh, he passed out at home plate. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it looks over and sees the umpire laying <laughs> next to him. Right, two people that are about to come up on on my list, by the way, that come off of Casey Stengel in a, in a sense. But uh, you you give me one now. Uh, all right, um, Pete Browning. I don't have Pete Browning. I don't know who else would have Pete Browning. Tell us about this individual. Uh, he was the gladiator of the Louisville Eclipse uh, back in the early 1800s. Uh, he suffered from mass, uh, what is it called? Uh, mastoiditis. And so he had to drink all the time to dull the pain. It made him deaf. Uh, and he still hit 341. <laughs> but the real significance and the greatness of Pete Browning is he went into a slump and then broke his favorite bat. And he had this uh, wood-making apprentice, a guy na- named Bud Hildrick, uh, make him a bat. And uh, he promptly went three for three the next day and then uh, had like, at one point had 200 of these bats and they're all given <laughs> names of, of biblical characters and stuff but this is the original louisville slugger oh nice and uh without his devotion to that bat there would be no louisville sluggers and he was the original louisville slugger well there you go all right a long-standing mystery that has been has been uh uh solved right here is that commonly known i don't know i think so (laughs) i think so that's great the original louisville slugger pete browning um, I'm going to uh, go ahead and throw out Yogi Berra, because I'm assuming you have Yogi as well. Oh, yeah. What needs to be said about the Yogi? Uh, what needs to be said about him? Uh, I mean, when you're when you think of all... It ain't over till it's over. I mean, when you think... I mean, all right, look, Yogi played more World Series than anybody. Yep. I mean, uh, you know, Yogi... Uh, Casey Stingle said, uh, you know, I never play a game without my man, my man being Yogi Berra. Not, not right. uh, Mantle or anything like that. Uh What's your favorite quote? Um, my favorite quote is, uh, 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 we're not going to that restaurant. It's too crowded. No one eats there anymore. The, uh, my favorite one is on being told by the wife of New York Mayor John B. Lindsay uh, that he looked cool despite the heat. He said to her, and you don't look so hot yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which yogi co- quote have you used most often on a date? On a date? Yeah. <laughs> Or just in your everyday life. Maybe you can observe a lot by watching. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not even going to go. That's getting into R-rated territory. Yeah. um, uh, I don't know. I can't. What's your most underrated yogi quote? uh, Probably on... Early in spring training once on being asked his cap size, he says, I don't know. I'm not in shape. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, uh, I mean, does he get, does he get enough credit as a ball player? Oh, no. No. He was a great player. He was, you know, one of the greatest catchers of all time. Yeah. And uh, what did you think about him as a manager? 
Um, he was a great ball player. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I, he managed in some very odd situations. So it's hard to really judge him. Yeah, yeah so, as a manager. So is it that Yogi begets uh, Stengel or Stengel begets Yogi? Oh, as far as who influenced the other more significantly, Stingle begat Yogi. Yeah, I mean, in but I think they're both terribly unique. You know, I was looking at a picture of uh, Stingle, and I, I don't mean to back up here, but when he, as a rookie, you know, he went uh, three for three and walked his uh, in his first game. Uh, you know, he his players, uh, the rest of the team, named him Casey because they thought. He was the original Casey at the bat. Uh, right, right. Uh, but I saw a picture of him as this uh, young rookie outfielder. He's got these big sunglasses on and everything. He He's Casey from the very beginning. you know. <laughs> and he said uh, after his first game, he said he went four for four, but he really – he went he hit three hits right-handed his first time and then batted left-handed just the next time up because he said, I've already got – <laughs> three right at it. But and he walked the last time up. He stole a couple of bases in the game. And uh he said when I after my first game they thought I was Ty Cobb, but it didn't take very long for them to figure the figure out that they were a little mistaken. But <laughs> that's awesome. Um all right, we both got Yogi. Uh yeah. give me one from yours. Oh, uh all right. Uh let me see. I did Yogi and Pete Browning. All right, uh a change of tone. I'll do uh, Chick Gandel. He's the one who, uh, the player who somewhat organized the Black Sox scandal. Right. Uh, he's the one that goes to Seacott uh, and uh, Lefty Williams and uh, and all the rest. And so, I mean, and I think that is certainly one of the seminal moments in the game's history. Uh, not, there were other people cheating at the time, but uh, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, Chick Gandel gets a little bit lost in the shuffle of all the players in the Black Sox scandal, but uh, only from I guess uh, the the you know more casual fan perspective. I mean, you're right; he is the he is the catalyst. He is the right. reason why that that happens. Right. Yeah. What do you remember of him, or what is remembered of him as a ball player? Uh, that he was a good ball player, uh, solid hitter, a very good fielder at first. Uh, was pugnacious you know he was a uh, a boxer when he wasn't uh uh on the field but i mean i had a, a solid career yeah um yeah definitely as the uh you know the catalyst for the black Sox scandal that is incredibly significant um and just an important figure of baseball history that's underappreciated even forgotten by this guy sitting across from you i'm gonna go out of order the order that i had it Oh, on yeah. my list, which I've is al- I've already gone at it, which is yeah, in no particular order. But um, Gaylord Perry, do you have Gaylord Perry on your list? No, I don't. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not saying though that he doesn't belong there. I think yeah. yeah I mean, I'm you know, I'm not. He played for freaking everybody, right? Oh, I know, and that that is part of it. Uh, that's what I one of the first things I was thinking about. Yeah, and he's. We have all you know this debate that comes up every year at the Hall of Fame about letting cheaters in. Well, he's almost in because he's a cheater. <laughs> the yeah, spitball and the yeah. junk ball and doctoring the ball. So Gaylord Perry, uh, important and interesting in those regards. All right. And fun to watch. Yeah. He was fun to watch. Yeah. Great wind up. And <laughs> they all the, I mean, you know, he was unique. Yeah. And a great pitcher. 
on top of it all. Yeah. An honorable mention from mine is Louis Tiant in that kind of similar respect about his delivery and the colorful interview as well. All right. One from yours. All right. Uh, Roberto Clemente is my favorite player. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, the dignity that he brought to the Latin player is significant in itself. His uh, making it in the early 60s, making it known that he feels being called Bobby is patronizing. Uh, the, uh, I mean, this is a person who had four batting titles and uh, 12 gold gloves. And, uh, you know, he, uh, the, um, uh, but I remember so many things like uh, after Dr. King died uh, and the Pirates were going to open in Houston and uh, Clemente said, no, we will not. You know, we uh, we will not play this game in honor of Dr. King and all of baseball stops and everything. Uh, Clemente, uh, who said, I want to be remembered as a ball player who gave all he had. That was the person he was, the way he died. There's so many people now that say their greatest accomplishment in the game is winning the Roberto Clemente Award for which, you know, the philanthropic services for what he did. What I remember the most about Clemente is him racing back on a ball that went over his head because he was playing too shallow and running right up to the wall and catching it on like a six inch rebound off the wall, turning and firing underhand. <laughs> and a strike underhand yeah, yeah, at that. Yeah. Yep, everything you say, uh, I could not agree more. Um, and it's amazing also just how many baseball players he is their favorite player. Yeah. And and a wide range, you know, he's he's transcendent to the point where diehard Red Sox fans wear Clemente jerseys. So uh, I am with you absolutely on Roberto. Um, number 21. Do you think number 21 should be retired across all of baseball? No, we're getting too many numbers retired. Yeah. <laughs> Too many statues getting built as well. No, I, I like statues. I like statues. But there are a lot of them yeah. going up. Um, Whatever happened to the Ty Cobb statue? Uh, it's still there. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's still there. Uh, and interestingly enough, Ty Cobb is on my list. Okay. Do you have him as one of your 20? Depends on the time. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, he's been on my list and off the list, you know. Well, certainly I think he's on the list now. Let me look. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's on the list now. Yeah. Good deal. <laughs> Important for sure. Significant, absolutely. Colorful and interesting. I mean, I think what's interesting about Ty Cobb uh, that is lesser known is his acumen as a business person, investing oh. in Coca Cola, you know, early in their uh, existence. Um, but uh, he. Uh, That's not with in uniform. That's no, that's true. It's not in uniform, but in uniform, he was a uh, he was a very nasty player who arguably a, yeah. the greatest player. You know, there are still yeah. a lot of people that will argue that he's the greatest that ever played the game. He would certainly have made that argument. <laughs> By the way, you were asking about the statue. I know it's still up in Detroit. I don't know about in Atlanta what no, happened I meant to it. The one in Atlanta, yeah. I'd have to look that up. Um, when you think of Ty Cobb, what do you think of? Well, I think of the Georgia Peach uh, nickname, but nicknames, that's semantics. Um, I think of him spiking players as he, you know, I, I would envision dig in. him yeah. sliding. Uh, I do yeah. see that sign that was up at Royston, you know, the home of Ty Cobb uh, that was sure. there forever. Uh, I think of 
the demons that were, you know, that he dealt with, you know, the whole thing with his father shooting his mother and all that kind of stuff. Uh, how he was not to come home a loser and just the whole thing. I mean, the idea that the Ken Burns uh, series, when they get to the chapter on Ty Cobb, they use his quote that it was something like a war. And I think that kind of sums up Ty Cobb. Yeah. Well, and define the era of baseball. So there's right. your importance. And he was certainly colorful. He was uh, well disliked on the base path. Yes. And he made no apologies about that. Um, I threw out Ty Cobb. Oh, give uh, me one from yours. All right. John McGraw. I had John McGraw. I had him in my honorable mention. He could have very easily made the top 20, but I put in a different manager ahead of him that I think may be on your list as well. But make the case for well, John McGraw. Uh, see, I, well, uh, I don't have too many managers on. I've had uh, some that have been on, like uh, Leo DeRocher and stuff like this, who've kind of fallen off lists. Right? What you're saying is an honorable mention list. Uh I, I think of You're talking John about McGraw. who defined a, uh, uh, a period of baseball. It was called uh, McGrawism in those days. Uh, the fact that George Bernard Shaw said in 1924 that uh, in meeting, uh, I last discovered the real and authentic, most remarkable man in America about John McGraw. Uh, that's pretty. Is, that's pretty that's significant. George Bernard Shaw saying this. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the. His brought up in a little town in New York, you know, as uh, there's an, a diphtheria epidemic goes through the town, kills four of his brothers and sisters and his mother and his father out of grief beats him, you know, almost to death out of fear for his life. He runs away at 12 uh, and then becomes who he that he lived is remarkable enough, but that he becomes uh just this fighter. I mean, and you talk about uh, Ty Cobb spiking people. McGraw would do it after the play had stopped. Uh, I, right. I I love the fact that he would sit, uh, you know, and he's only like 155 pounds, but he would like hold the belt of somebody so they couldn't run. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and he tripped and bit and uh, did whatever he, he could to beat somebody else and championed the Negro Leagues like nobody else. Yeah. Kind of un, uh, lost in uh, in the uh, in the accomplishments. I, I think in his uh, something to the story that when he died, his uh, his wife had this list of black ball players that he always kept in his pocket that he wanted to play for him. Yeah, and as a player manager, he's a isn't he one of the few like player managers that was? There were a lot of player yeah. managers back in that day. But uh, he's winning a World Series as a player manager. If I'm if I'm remembering his career may, correctly, maybe. I mean, his career is more with Baltimore. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. But uh, his managing is more with the Giants, and that's uh, that lasted longer. Is is it indeed he who pulled the uh, the Giants from the 1904 World Series? Yes. Yeah, uh, because he uh, had, well, I mean, he was in the American League, and Ban Johnson would. Um, uh, constantly be fining him for different things and uh, suspending him and everything else. Uh, he didn't like the idea that 
you know, the national or the American League, uh, John or Ben Johnson wanted to make this uh, more family friendly uh, league and uh, cut out alcohol and fighting and cussing and everything. And McGraw didn't like anything about that. And, uh, <laughs> no, really. So <laughs> shocking. Um, from that era, uh, and the person who replaced McGraw on my top 20, Connie Mack. Okay. You know, I thought of Connie Mack and I would have put him on my list if he ever wore a uniform. <laughs> I thought our criteria was that he had to wear a uniform. <laughs> You got that on a technicality, good sir. But he looked darn good in his dapper suit and, uh, uh, and you, straw hat. And you could make uh, uh, an argument that that was his uniform. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, the, <laughs> Can you imagine Bill Parcells and his full New York Giant regalia? So, but, uh, I, and would be one of the only other managers that I would put on my list. But I, didn't, I left him off strictly because of the uniform glitch <laughs> um yeah that's a good technicality um uh, connie mack though um wasn't he was the pioneer of the athletics all white uniforms right or having the elephant on it oh i think he was the one that put the elephant on it yeah uh, so for the uh as I, you're criticizing connie mack about his uniform choice remember it was he oh i'm not criticizing him who put at all. the elephant i'm on. not criticizing him at all i think <laughs> i have no problems if and why one wouldn't uh, a manager just to get out in a three-piece suit today i i don't think it is uh that would be great the uh he probably wouldn't be allowed out of the dugout uh but i mean there it's gotten to where i mean joe tory wore just like sneakers you know we had you know bobby cox here still wearing cleats even with knee hip surgery you sure. know and stuff you know but uh so you know i don't have any problems with connie mack doing that all right uh all right now give me one from yours um all right well well from the same period uh i would have christy matthewson on mine uh there may have been better pitchers from that era of the pitcher. Uh, maybe Walter Johnson was maybe better. Maybe uh, Grover Cleveland or Addie Juice sure. or you know some. But uh, Christy Matheson did more than anybody to improve the reputation of baseball at that time. Uh, he was the Christian gentleman. Uh, he was the the Frank Merriwell. Uh, I mean, the blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, and uh, playing a clean uh, game and all of that, uh, even though he's playing for John McGraw, which is such an oxymoron almost. Yeah, uh, strongly ironic, the, perhaps. Matthewson was uh, a champion of sabermetrics. He charted every pitch he threw and uh, was a real scientist about the whole thing. And people talked about what a showman he was, too, how he would— come from the dugout 10 minutes before the game wearing the, the big dusters and come out and uh, the uh, uh, to, to more and more applause as he came onto the field. Uh, I think his accomplishment in the 1905 World Series is the greatest accomplishment for in any series, period. Uh, six days, he throws three shutouts, complete games, Gives up 14 hits, one walk. Uh, does this in six days. Throws three complete games. All right, Bumgardner. <laughs> you know. Game on. Yeah. Gauntlet thrown. You know, I was looking at uh, uh, Ty Cobb's, or I'm sorry, uh, Cy Young's statistics, and uh, he went 36 and 11. I forget which season, but 36 and 11. 
That is fantastic. There, that's almost more wins than the uh, 2003 Detroit Tigers as a team. Uh, Chesbro won 42. Yeah, that's <laughs> or true. Or 41, I think. 41. Yeah. Um, uh, anywho, deserving of having uh, the pitching award named after him. Uh, I'll give you one from that era. Um, and maybe this is just an excuse to get somebody on this list who uh, never wore the uniform. But um, Eddie G- uh, Goodell. All right. Uh, I... Um, uh, I, I I thought about Eddie Goodell. Uh, I just didn't think his career had the longevity. <laughs> Neither did he. <laughs> he himself did not have the longevity. But gotta gotta give props to the three foot seven inch. I mean, he is a he is a significant uh, a figure in baseball that everybody knows about, and it allows me to give some love to Vec. Yeah. So, so there you go. All right. Oh, uh, I'll go with Willie Mays. Yeah, I honorable my, mention, but not my favorite course. player. Uh, one of the greatest players I've ever seen. Sure. Uh, my when I think of Willie Mays, I try not to think of an autograph show where I went and got his autograph. But uh, I he wasn't are, too polite to you, if I remember this story. Uh, he correctly. wasn't too polite with anybody, as many players in that kind of environment wouldn't. I mean, it, it was a tough environment, and he was an older man. <laughs> uh the uh I, I think he brought even though the Dodgers won instantly when they moved to the left coast, uh Willie brought kind of I mean, that was the left coast superstar. Now I realize the Pacific Coast had had DiMaggio and Ted Williams and this sort of thing, but the player that was playing in the major leagues out there was Willie Mays. Uh now I, I like to think of him playing stickball in New York City uh, and that sort of stuff. But uh, one of the things that I that will always strike home with me is how he was always called a natural athlete, and this was uh, a code racism uh, at the time uh, that nobody could be as good as Willie Mays without a tremendous amount of work and a, a work ethic and, uh, and, and, and have lots of natural abilities as well. But uh, they would always refer to him as the natural athlete, whereas Mantle was the courageous hero for playing with all of the broken pieces and stuff. Sure. Uh, and uh, it was, I, I accepted that as a young boy and didn't recognize the racism that was right. in the statement. So, I mean, that that's one of the things I think of with Willie. One of the things I think of with Willie, uh, flair-wise, um, you know, the joy to watch him uh, on the field, not the over-the-shoulder catch, which I think is one of the most overrated catches in all of baseball right. history, but the fact that he wore the hat, like, what was it, two sizes? It's too two- small, so it always come off as he's running the bases, you know? That's great. Yeah, that is. I, you know... Props to him for that. Um, with Willie Mays, uh, I'm just gonna let's 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 do our love for Jackie Robinson. Okay, but give me something about how he played. Oh, uh, stealing he, home the uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think his bringing. Uh, I mean, as uh, his bringing the Negro leagues to the major leagues uh, was just as significant in type of play as it was in uh, as in uh, opening the door for the black man to play in the game. Right. 
kind of lost in the uh, in the social significance is just how great and electric of a player he was. Um, uh, and uh, let's go ahead and say, no, go ahead. No, uh, I, one of the things I I always uh, the Buck O'Neill ad you know, just adulation for Jackie the. Uh, you know when he talks about how sensitive he was and everything, uh, the uh, I I uh, just as he does about Satchel Paige as well uh, later. Uh, I think the uh, the respect that he brought to so many people, but uh, he you know, Jackie Robinson saying a life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives, and he lived that belief. I agree. The only thing I take points away from is that he campaigned for Nixon. Oh, I know. I had the same problem. I mean, I don't agree with his politics late in life, but I'll say he was suffering from a lot of pain. Yeah, understood. And the uh, ability to swallow uh, what he did in his first year in Major League Baseball. First three years, yeah. Yeah. Um, We said before we started this show that you can't have any of these lists without Jackie Robinson or Babe Ruth on it. So, Babe Ruth. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And if you don't know about Babe Ruth and you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> just Google that and God help you. <laughs> and I don't think we need to say anything about Babe Ruth. No, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I'm going to say one thing. If you look through a book that just had pictures of Babe Ruth selling things, doing things, it would just make you happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean... His story is, I mean, you want to talk about someone who fought the inner demons, but, you know, coming from an orphanage, just the whole myth about Babe Ruth and that he lived larger than life and was larger than life. And amazing how he was the two-way player, you know, he was the pitcher and the tremendous hitter. And if he had stayed with Boston, he may be in the Hall of Fame for 300 wins as opposed to 714 home runs. But you're right. He's, and isn't it amazing that it'll make you happy? And underneath all of that, he's one of the Me Too, <laughs> like poster children. Yeah, yeah. He would be straight in the crosshairs of the Me Too movement in this uh, day and age. So, which is different time. Yeah, we are in a different time for sure. I mean, that's that's what's so unique about baseball and uh, figures throughout the throughout the years. So, um, I'm gonna give you one uh, that I'm guessing you have. Uh, but Beans Reardon. No, I don't. No? No. Beans Reardon, the greatest umpire ever, the most colorful umpire of all time? I'll give the most colorful, but I, I was as my umpire is Bill Clem. Bill Clem. All right, make the case for Bill Clem and not Beans Reardon. He was an umpire longer than anybody yep. ever and was always doing the World Series. Always. You know, Bill Clem behind the plate. Always. Yeah, but... I mean, uh, but Casey Clint, Stengel's greatest foil was Beans Reardon. Yeah, he was. Uh, he more colorful than Bill Clem. Yeah, although, there you go. Although I, I love the fact that during World War II, when we're letting one-armed people play for the St. Louis Grays, uh, they bring Bill Clem out of retirement with one eye, and <laughs> he's still umpiring, saying, you know, that vision is not the most important part of umpiring. <laughs> Did he ever follow that up with what he thought was the most important? Uh, not to my knowledge. Mm, all right. All right. So you got Bill Clem. I'm counter with uh, Beans Reardon as an and umpire. And I, I think that's fair. All right. Uh, so all right, give me one now. Uh, Satchel Page. A great call. And really, 
he played for, for freaking ever and everywhere in every league, you know, and his story is incredible coming from absolute illiteracy. Uh, I think he is one of the most colorful people in world history. I don't, I mean, you <laughs> That's know, fair. forget baseball history. I mean, all of the theatrics that follow him and all of these things. And he, uh, did so much for all of the the Negro Leagues forever as they when one team was failing and they needed to bring a gate they would call up the monarchs and the monarchs would pack everything up and go you know let Satchel Paige uh pitch he and he would you know we're talking about what Matthewson did in six days Paige did that all the time he threw forever he threw every <laughs> yeah. game uh just incredible uh, numbers and amounts of things. And then when you hear, uh, and, and oh God, there's so many stories, but then you hear what a sensitive man he was as well. And uh, just an incredible, he was a clown, but he was brilliant. Uh, there's never been a showman like him in baseball. Uh, anything close. Yeah. And we talk about in, uh, you know, this era, the, the, the kinetic energy in a pitcher's arm, the, like right. these. What's the name of the specialist? A kinesiologist. Kin- yeah, Satchel Paige is a kinesiologist yeah. poster child, a kinesiologist right. dream because he was, you know, a beanpole, right? Throwing all those innings every single day. I have Satchel Paige as well. Um, I'm gonna throw. Uh, <laughs> I'm 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 guessing you definitely do not have this, but the San Diego Chicken. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> and one in one A with the Philly Fanatic. Now consider the following with the Philly Fanatic in particular, who's the second most innovative to the San Diego Chicken. They are the gold standard of mascot to which all other mascots are measured. Um, they created a reason to go see a last place team, which is kind of important when you think about all the promotions that exist in this day and age where we're tiring numbers every single week to get people to go to see some of these teams. But kids would go just to see the Philly Fanatic or the San Diego Chicken and interact with them. And they got into the head of the opposing team. No less than Tommy Lasorda used to be taken completely out of his element by the Fanatic or the San Diego Chicken. He said he even tried to strangle the San Diego Chicken during one series uh, against the Padres. Um, Maybe the second most important Padre behind Tony Gwynn. I'll, I'll, I buy it all. Yep. I buy it all, and I give you props for having him on your list. I don't think you can put the Philly Fanatic uh, as right. as a sub A, but I'll put the you know, the chicken. <laughs> I, and, and I think I, you know the Philly Fanatic may be funnier, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I will go with the chicken as <laughs> very deserving. Go. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, uh, all right. I'll go Kurt Flood in a totally different vein. Yeah. Now, what's 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 your key? characteristic of Kurt Flood that gets him into the top 20? His lawsuit against Major League Baseball. Which didn't happen on the field, though. He was in uniform. (laughs) I mean, he's refusing a trade. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, and that's, you know, that's Cap Anson-like, you know, and saying I'm not going to play with black people. Or Jackie Robinson's, you know, forever. I mean, I, I think Kurt Flood, the... Uh, courageousness that he shows there, and it broke him. You know, uh, uh, he was a very sensitive man. You hear it, uh, him interviewed and stuff, and uh, and this is at a time when uh, it was still very difficult for a black man to play 
uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, yeah. They still roomed in different places and, uh, I mean, different hotels and stuff. And there was one or two black men on the team. I mean, uh, at that time, uh, Bob Gibson and uh, I, I guess Brock was – you know, was there by that time were the ones on the Cardinals. But and he didn't want to go to Philadelphia uh for obvious reasons. And uh you know, I the courageousness that he takes in that stand is uh, and what it did to baseball, it changed baseball. I mean, uh oh, yeah. the uh it did away with the reserve clause. Yep, and a phenomenal center fielder on top of all oh, that. Oh, yes. Oh, tremendous. Yeah, needs to be mentioned. Um, and yet I'll remember him for, uh, you know, misjudging the uh, the, the, Fly the ball, ball against the tires in 68 in Game yeah. 7. Yeah. Who's that, Jim Nothrop? Uh, I want to say yes, but uh, okay. my, my, my sharpness on, on all the details is uh, is not as good. Um, yeah, I mean we're we are we're talking about the '60s. You know, people forget that Jackie is 47, and you think, oh well, that was you know. yeah. But we don't have the civil rights movement until the 1960s, so it was very difficult for Kurt Flood and Bob Gibson and um, you know uh, Willie Horton, Hank and Aaron, all. and all the people that yeah. Mays. Uh, now is Hank Aaron on your list? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and always did he come off? You know, no. I think I. I mean. Uh, being from Atlanta and watching the class and the dignity with which and, and and seeing knowing about all of the death threats and everything that he had coming to him and always handling things uh, in such a respectable manner. One of the things we don't when a black man reached a certain spotlight uh, at that time. And remember, he he breaks the record at 74 and. Uh, and at that time, when a black man reaches a certain pinnacle, there are all sorts of people coming after him, uh, trying to get him to promote particular causes. Uh, this is you know a time when we have uh, all you know whether it was going to be Malcolm X or uh, the Black Panthers or Dr. King or whoever it was. There was a draw uh, to bring uh, the black man into their side, and uh, Henry took in all of that with a tremendous amount of dignity and uh, to be respected. I also have a, seven, a signed 715 bat. <laughs> yeah, there's a personal connection there as well, for sure. Well, and to your credit, he... Um, My credit? I deserve no credit. For well, no, anyway. what I meant is to your to your uh, your uh, your arguments, your case for, mm-hmm. for, for Hank Aaron, so to speak, um, the fact that he did it in the South, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. which... You know, I mean, I'm from here as well. It's a hotbed of racism, <laughs> wouldn't you know it? But the fact that he did it in the South, where there's just rampant racism at, at this point in time in particular, um, I'd like to believe it's a lot better now. But you know, some of those ideologies hang on, um, and that's what no, no, uh, no less than Vin Scully points out in the call of his 715th home run um, that there's a whole other level of endurance that that takes so so yes hank aaron absolutely um now on the other side of the spectrum uh maybe not so much the gentleman but i have earl weaver uh i considered weaver uh as i considered billy martin and i considered uh you know several things like that uh but he didn't make my list yeah 
underappreciated, I think, is the nineteen, the late sixties, early seventies Orioles teams. Uh well, I, I certainly don't know why. They they were you know they were great teams. Well, they were great teams, but has there been a documentary made about them? I don't no, know. I don't think, but it's in Baltimore. But maybe they're they Hall did. of Famers all over the teams, right? Yeah. But maybe it's because they didn't have a great nickname. What was the nickname of the the seventies Orioles? Uh, O's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't exactly. Bert, Alberto's. Yeah. No, that was the Cardinals. That was yes, yeah. uh, Cepeda. It doesn't exactly jump off of the marquee, but um, uh, certainly uh, one of the most candid interviews you're ever going to get. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, <laughs> not. Safe I, for I work. just, I just don't. I mean, he. I, I don't see him doing anything uh, terribly innovative other than sitting around waiting for the three-run homer. Yeah, that's true. Would you put Joe Madden on your list? No, no. Did in any of your drafts of this no joe madden i didn't have joe madden anywhere but don't you think he would be one of your like top five people to sit and have dinner with oh oh yes uh but very much so uh and he may be on my list in a few years but not now yeah i mean really i don't have any other manager well yes i do i have one other manager yeah i think madden i mean he kind of is the most standout character of the last 10 years to me, in baseball, I mean, who's more charismatic in the last ten years than he? Uh, charismatic? I'm not certain. I, I David Ortiz? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. maybe yeah, I, I I don't know. I can't. But Madden's a good call. Yeah, not as transcendent. Uh, David Ortiz. I mean, Red Sox Nation loves him for right. sure. But I think just in general, baseball. You know, he <laughs> snakes in a clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's a wine connoisseur, and he drives an RV all over the country, and uh, he's kind of like the millennial whisperer, but also great T-shirt, Try Not to Suck. Oh, is he on your list? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Madden, okay. Madden for sure. Um, sorry, I kind of slid that in there. So, all right. All let's right, go to then you. I'll give uh, one another man. My only other manager is Rube Foster. Uh Interesting choice. A player as well. But, I mean, without Rube Foster, we don't have the Negro Leagues. You know, I mean, he pretty much – he starts them, and uh, there is a Negro Leagues because of Rube Foster. And we know that John McGraw on days off would go and watch Rube Foster coach his teams, not just manage them. Uh, uh, And all of the the small ball that uh, McGraw adapted so well – a lot of that came from Rube Foster, who was said to be the most brilliant baseball man by a lot of different people. Yeah, yeah, I, that's great. That's absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to slot him into my <laughs> into my next version of this. Um, yeah. All right, give me another one. Uh, well, it's your turn, or I'll give you another one if you want. But well, I feel like I did two, like Earl Weaver and Joe Madden, back to back. So all right, uh, Fernando. That's a good one. I totally, uh, yeah, I looked past that. And his significance to to Mexico and Mexican-born players. Right, and that has... Specifically uh, Mexico. Right, yeah. that has uh, carried on throughout L.A. and stuff. And I, I think Fernando Mania was for real. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. And uh, I think he's one of the... Wasn't he a Cy Young and Rookie of the Year in the I, same season? I believe so, I believe so. Yeah, although he had been... <laughs> He'd pitched a long time in other places. Right, right. No, I think you're absolutely right. You ask any Dodger fan, L.A. Dodger fan, uh, it's Koufax, Scully, and Fernando. Yeah. 
But I'll give you a Dodger uh, that was in my uh, honorable mention uh, was Lasorda. Did you ever consider Lasorda to be? No. No? Because... I'd have Walter Alston as a Dodger manager before I'd have Lasorda. Right. I Lasorda, is he just... Am I giving him too much credit because he was the loudest voice in the room? Probably. Yeah, probably. I, so. I mean, I'm not gonna put. I don't put Lasorda in the same ballpark as Billy Martin. Sure, as a man, as far as a manager, right? Goes. Yeah. Or theatrics, or colorful, or anything else. Yeah. Well, I Lasorda did not make my twenty. He is yeah. an honorable mention, but uh, one who did. Speaking of Dodgers and their great rivals in the '80s, Ozzie Smith. Okay. I think uh, Ozzie Smith is like <laughs> one of the most flashy St. Louis Cardinals you'll ever find. Do you have Stan Musial on your list? I don't. I don't either. I can't yeah. see putting a uh, a Cardinal in, you know, over, you know, Ozzie over Stan Musial. But it's more about the. He was the man. <laughs> well, that's fine. That's fine. I also don't have Al Kaline. I don't, I don't have Mickey Mantle. I mean, the thing about. Ozzy to me is that he was must see TV. Like he's in the Hall of Fame more for the big play, the flashy play, the theatrics as a shortstop. You know, he made baseball fun again, you know, with the backflip as he's coming yeah. out, you know. So that's that's my case for Ozzy. Go crazy, folks. Yep. Go crazy, folks, indeed. So, uh, so there, there you go. Ozzy Smith. All right. All right. You said you don't have Mickey Mantle on your list. I do have him on mine. Really? At, at least. Uh, and he replaced, but I, I was sitting there with Rube Waddell and King Kelly and all these really colorful people from the you know uh, 1890s in baseball uh, and 1900s right. uh, and stuff. Uh, but their own substance abuse destroyed their uh, careers and perhaps their, uh, in one case, uh, their psychiatric uh, structure but uh <laughs> mantle became such a image for baseball i mean uh literally yeah the i mean 52 mantle is yeah i mean what yeah the iconic what, baseball card yeah. his, his because i feel like all memorabilia stems from mickey mantle i know it doesn't but it, it's yeah. like uh it seems like it now and uh I mean, and so many people have glorified Mantle. I mean, you know, as a kid, I did too. But I mean, uh, the Billy Crystals and Robin Williams and all these people—they're—they're they're, uh, speaking of Mantle. It has made him into something that maybe he wasn't. You know, right? He's and, a tragic hero, right? And and as great as he was, I think it's the fact that you know he blows out his knee early in his career. He's a you know, by some arguments, a fraction of what he could have been. Right, right. Yeah. No, I, I, for sure. And he's, you know, the great country myth. He came from small town Oklahoma and commerce, Oklahoma. Right. And plays for the big bad Yankees. Um, commerce Comet. <laughs> um, you know, I, again, this is all subjective and it's a tough list to make. Right. But I did put Reggie Jackson on my list. Now, hey, my last list, I put Reggie on. Yeah. Because I think he's the first me first like baseball player. He sets the he sets the tone for the modern day superstar me first athlete. Yeah, he stirs the drink. 
He is. He brought his star with him to New York. The, uh, He's LeVar Ball before there's LeVar Ball <laughs> and way better at his craft. Well, and I'll certainly somebody who rose to the moment. Right. You know, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And the uh, I and he did it for a lot of people. You yeah. know, think about it. You know, yeah. we think of him as a Yankee, but I, I really think of him as an A first. I think uh, of him as an A first as well. In Baltimore, and the Angels, you know, he yeah, he was around. Now I have to give an honorable mention since you pointed out that he played for the Angels. Um, great umpire and Italian opera singer Enrico Palazzo. Okay, because he took down Reggie when he was trying to, you know, murder the Queen. So there you go. All right. That was my one knock against uh, Reggie Jackson. He, oh, I have he brainwashed lot. and tried to, yeah. I have a lot of knocks against Reggie, but I mean, I, I think <laughs> in the 70s, I can't, you know, if you're going to have somebody who represented a time, you know, and really there right, were times yeah. I was between Reggie and Pete Rose, you know, mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, but as an image, I'll, I go, I'll go with Reggie too. Yeah. All right. Um, let me see. I, I do have Candy Cummings as I've uh, the curveball, right? And by the way, Clayton Trudor, uh, shout out to Down the Drive author uh, Clayton Trudor. Loved your Candy Cummings uh, being on the list for innovations in baseball. Oh, really? Yep. No. You had somebody who fully appreciates, you know how how the uh, um, how that's a great that's a great gem to pull out of the mine of baseball history. So, so there you go. Shout out to Clayton. All right, and I'll I, I'll I'll tell you that uh, I actually did have Pete Rose on mine. No, okay. Charlie Hustle, Big Red Machine, the Hit King, his in-game chatter. Um, I think the fact that his personal life uh, as a gambler, you know, kind of sets the tone for the argument of the character of baseball. That is as significant as almost any argument uh, commonly held, uh, and. He looks good in those sketchers. And Pete Rose, great uh, on the pregame, postgame show. <laughs> yeah, but that's not in uniform. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, all right. And then I think you're what? I, I've got I've got all my 20. I've all got right. a lot of honorable mentions. And, and actually, I, I, I'm looking at my first list and some of these people that I don't have marked made the list. You know, it right. changes constantly. Well, uh, I've got... I've got one more for you from my right. list. Um, or maybe two. I may, I may have missed this one. But uh, Bill Spaceman Lee. I thought about uh, Bill Lee. Gets blackballed out of Montreal. He admits to you know marijuana use. He has the EFIS pitch. Uh, you know, is the ambassador of baseball to Russia. One of the modern day ambassadors of baseball to Cuba. Uh, plays for the right reasons. And... Uh, He's just one of the great interviews you could ever hope to have. I agree. I agree. Within I, the game. He just wouldn't make my list. It always, you know, that he was somewhat of a flake. Uh, sure. You know, I mean. I, me, me first in a different way. Right. Uh, I'm going to put Rube Waddell, who played longer, yeah. uh, on the list before I put Bill Lee on there. Yeah. And then finally. When you have to tackle somebody. As a on the field because a fire engine's going by and he's about to run after it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you have a personal bias to Rube Waddell. You think, yeah, all right, yeah. Um, and then Bob Euchre. I'm surprised you didn't uh, put Bob Euchre out there. No. What's your case against? Um, 
Bob Euchre's greatness comes out of uniform. That's true as well. Um, but he, I mean, he was funny in uniform, but his greatness comes out of uniform. That, that's true, but he was a great clubhouse guy. Oh, I know. He's one yeah. of the penultimate clubhouse guys. And then <laughs> I'm not going to put him on this list for being a great club, clubhouse guy. Understood. Uh, under honorable mention, Whitey Herzog. Your thoughts on Whitey? Oh, no. What about Ricky Henderson? Uh, Ricky Henderson was somebody that I, I considered. Yeah, yeah, I did as well. Uh, the uh, and it was close. It was probably on my list at different times. Uh, the, you've mentioned a lot more managers than I have. A lot more. Uh, right. Well, because here's the thing about managers, and they're around forever. They're around forever, and they're also they steal the spotlight in moments of absolute color and character. I mean, you know, what's the image that jumps out with Casey Stengel? Uh, uh, hysterics arguing with umpires. Same thing with Bobby Cox. Uh, so they make an impression in that sense. And maybe I was leaning too heavily on the interesting slash colorful part of this uh, this uh, this list. There are ma- managers in the Hall of Fame, your uh, Joe McCarthy's and stuff that we're not even considering. You know, that uh, I don't think either of us had on our list at any point. The sure. only managers I had that didn't make, I mean, uh, I had, shoot, I still had three that were on my list in uh, Stingle, Rube Foster, and who was the other one? Uh, yeah, let's see. Stingle, Rube, well, McGraw. And in McGraw, sense. yeah. yeah. Uh, but I thought of Billy Martin uh, and uh, I thought of Leo DeRoche. They were ones that I considered at some point. Um, I'll t- uh, of people we didn't put neither of us even mentioned Gehrig uh, sure and, or Ted Williams or Joe DiMaggio I mean uh, this was not the greatest players list exactly uh, uh, or the greatest hitters list somebody I considered that we didn't talk about was Larry Doby yeah uh, who's doing the Jackie Robinson thing in the other league right uh, in Cleveland yeah so you've got the junior circuit plus Cleveland so right, right. obscurity <laughs> ensues <laughs> Um, somebody I'm surprised you didn't mention, Mo Berg. Uh, I have him on the list, but Mo Berg, his on the field, his in uniform is not what makes Mo Berg. He's a third string catcher and a first string spy. Right. By the way, the catcher was a spy has been made into a movie. It premiered at Sundance. Oh, were, really? Were you aware of this? No, I wasn't. Paul Rudd playing uh, the, the title character of uh, Mo Berg. Oh, well, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm excited to see that as well. Um. All right. Well, there you have it. Did we leave anything out? Well, uh, let me mention a couple. Uh, we didn't talk. Honus Wagner never made it. And we're, and That's looking true. For a period of time that he goes as baseball's best player, perhaps. Well, Cap, other than Cap Anson, probably for a longer time than anybody else. Great nickname too. Uh, the uh, Walter Johnson. We don't mention. I mean, and he. Well, he did. You put Walter. Well, oh, I well, Christy Matthews. Yeah. Now, but one person we didn't mention, Alta Weiss. Give me a, the give female us the player who uh, in out somewhere out Midwest starts playing for men's team and striking everybody out, and people are coming in from Chicago, everybody to see her. She could have uh, perhaps gone on to the major leagues. Uh, she's tried to raise. She was raising enough money to send herself to medical school, which she does, becomes a doctor, and continues to play throughout. Uh, the rest of her life, but a true phenomenon, you know, supposedly was striking out all sorts of major leaguers and stuff. Um, Much lesser known. 
Yeah. Um, let me see who else. I, oh, I, somebody I considered heavily were, were both George and Harry Wright for being the first professional ball players. That seems like <laughs> something of significance uh, sure. that could make the, uh, the list. I don't know if Doubleday actually played, but. Well, but the Wright brothers did. Right. I mean, that we we know sure. that in Cincinnati they were uh, that Harry Wright's uh, hires his brother George Wright to be the first professional ball player. Right. Yep. Very good. Um, I noticed you didn't see uh, Steve Carlton, uh, but only because he was a wine connoisseur. No. This this is a whole other list I'm veering over into with these honorable <laughs> mentions. Uh, Ted Turner. I mean, he did manage. <laughs> Not a whole lot of longevity there either. Not a whole lot of longevity either. Yes, good, good point. Um, yeah, Ricky Henderson. I will say this. I think the other athletes like uh, Reggie Jackson uh, coined the me first. He owns the corner, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I don't know. Babe Ruth has some of it too. Babe Ruth, That's true. You know, never remembered anybody's name. Just called him all kid. Uh, Ricky Henderson didn't remember anybody's name either, you know, so uh, I think there's kind of the same kind of mind playing it. There. Yeah. Although Ricky referred to himself in the third person and routinely declared himself the greatest, greatest of all, all time. time. <laughs> and you know what? He won MVPs doing it. So, oh, he, it's, you know, he's a hell of a ball player. Uh, there's a, there is a, certainly an argument that he's the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you have it. Anything else to add? We're no. going, going, going to the big finish. No. <laughs> All right, coming into home, um, we have to talk about this, sadly. What do you think of Blooper? Oh, it's an abomination. <laughs> it's an abomination. How long does it last? How long do we have Blooper in the... Depends on how good he is. <laughs> you know? I felt bad for Ender Inciarte having to usher that thing into existence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, coming into home, also... How about the Brewers? Let's give some love to the Brewers in this in the in the waning days of the hot stove season. I want to see him go out and get a pitcher somehow, yep. somewhere or another, get a starting pitcher. Yeah. Well, at, at the time of this recording, where's Arietta? Yeah. Well, and uh, Lance Lynn and a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, the they're Brewers... supposedly really after Darvish, but yeah. they were, but they, they probably don't have the funds to do it now. Yeah. Well, you know, the Brewers uh, bucking the uh, trend set by the uh, Marlins and pirates earlier in this offseason who are under investigation actually for tampering with collective bargaining do you think there's validity to that oh sure i do yeah you know scott boris says that tanking is the cancer of baseball right yeah, I now know. big article about it I think. Yeah, yeah and uh i think it was in yahoo sports but uh i can't believe i find myself agreeing with something that scott boris has said recently although don't tell that to the cubs and their fans right yeah right yep there you go or the uh the astros right and, how about that so yeah uh, complicated times we live in as far as uh the methods that uh, baseball organizations are run but at any rate well all right well this is great the 20 most uh significant on the field um and i'm sure at some point we'll get the 20 most significant to not put on a uniform but with that said uh a thank you to everyone listening to the running the basis podcast uh, be sure to find us on soundcloud and on itunes uh follow us on twitter 
and Instagram and like us on Facebook. You can find all things Running the Bases at the website runningthebases.com. So for Coach Jordan Bounds, I am Tucker Wells. This is the Running the Bases podcast coming into home and we're safe. Coach, have yourself a good night. Good, sir. Good night. Boom. We didn't mention Dizzy Dean. Uh, yeah, we didn't. <laughs>